you very much, Brother Shane and the praise team. Good morning to you. It is good to see you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would join me in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 that has uh, become its own mini-series that we're looking at together. We're going to continue there today and uh, for a few more weeks after this. If you were with us last week... You saw or heard, we saw and heard together, what I'm really referring to as the blueprint for our growth and spiritual maturation. And so it's, if you didn't hear it, I would recommend if you're trying to follow along with this series to go back and pick that up. I, I put it on the podcast this week. Uh, it's on Facebook as well. But we saw in... In that, we kind of saw the larger context of Ephesians 4, and we saw this idea that we are all in this process of growing up, in Paul's terminology, being built up. And so we saw this idea that it's kind of like we are spiritual children, right? Whenever we become Christians, we are born again, so it's like we're spiritual infants, and we're supposed to be growing and maturing spiritually just as Uh, children grow and mature physically. We also saw the other analogy that he's using. It's kind of like we are a building that's under construction. So we are being built up. We are in this process. We are not at the point of completion, that we still have work left to be done. But we also saw that Christ has given us all that we need to get there. And so we're reassured by that. Starting this week, we're going to begin to fill out the details of what that looks like. So how is it that you and I can be built up? How is it that you and I can grow in maturity? What things has Christ given to us to allow that to take place? So here's what we're going to see today. We're going to see that Christ has given every one of us a special gifting. We're going to see some implications of that gifting, some very specific things. And we're going to see the example of Paul's gifting. He, he tells us the gift that he's been given and how he carries that out. It gives us a good, firm example to kind of concretely see what this looks like in practice. And then the last thing that we're going to see is the confidence that this should give us. The confidence that Christ has given every one of us a gift, uh, the confidence that that should bring about in our lives. So look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. This morning we're going to be in verses 7 through 10. I'll read all of that text for us as we begin. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Uh, If y'all would join me in, let's pray before we consider this text together. Father God, what a wonderful opportunity. Lord, I'm, I'm always thankful for the Sunday morning gathering of the saints. Lord, corporate worship uh, among a church body that, that we are members of, that Lord, that we know these people and that they know us. Lord, I'm thankful to have heard their singing and to have been encouraged by that to also sing and praise to you. And Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to open your word together. As we've already heard scripture read, 
Lord, as we now read this together and consider it, I pray that you would help our hearts and minds to not be distracted by things outside of this place, but to be able to focus on this text, to understand it, so that we can apply it in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we see here, verse 7 is really where we're going to camp out for the majority of the time today. Verse 7 is is one of those verses, now I don't, this is just personal preference, I don't highlight and I don't like to underline in any book that I own, um, much less the Bibles, that I, the copies of Scripture that I have. But if you do, if you're a highlighter person, if you're an underline or circle or whatever person, I would circle, highlight, underline verse 7, Ephesians 4, 7. When you read it, it may not seem like a whole lot right now at the moment, but I trust that by the time that we're done looking at this today, that this is going to be a verse that will be very meaningful to you. So it, it begins here, and I, let me go ahead and preface this, because here Paul uses the word grace in a different way than we normally think of the word grace. So, so when he's talking about grace here, Specifically, when he talks about grace, and he uses it in conjunction with the word given and the word gift, which he uses all three of those in verse 7. There's this context that we saw it in the text that Brother Shane read for us earlier from 1 Peter chapter 4. You see it in Romans chapter 12. You see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Whenever Paul uses these related words together, what he's talking about are spiritual gifts. So whenever he's talking here about the grace that's given to him, this grace is the gift that he's also talking about in verse 7. That God has graciously given a gift, a gifting, a spiritual gift to every one of us. So it's, it's more clear in the context of 1 Peter 4 and Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, but I'm convinced that that's exactly what he's talking about here as well. The words that he uses in those other texts and the word that he uses here, they have the same root. And I'm not going to go into that in depth because I know that some of you don't care about Greek words. But if you're interested, I would love to talk to you about it later. But it really paints this picture to show us that he's talking about the same thing here. So when Paul writes in verse 7, Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. What he's talking about is a spiritual ability that's given to every one of us whenever we become Christians. Now, we know from those other scriptures that we're not all given the same gift, right? That there are varieties of gifts, that there are different types of gifts, but every one of us is given some gifting, some ability that we didn't have before we became Christians. And we also know from those other contexts that my job, my role with my gift is to build up the church. So I'm given a gift so that I can help build you, right, if we're using the analogy of a building. I'm given a gift so that I can help further your maturity, if we're talking about spiritual maturity, whichever of these that you want to use from Paul's writing here. That's why I'm given this gift. I'm given a gift to use for all of you, and every single one of you is given a gift to use for me, and for everyone else that's part of our Christian community. And so point one, I just want us to go ahead and make sure we get that. Point one, Christ gives good gifts. And specifically here, we're talking about spiritual gifts. Abilities that we did not have before we were Christians. 
Now, you can go and you can look at the different lists in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12 and in other places, uh, but these are things like hospitality, uh, teaching, administration, exhorting, encouragement. There, there are all sorts of different gifts. And you can find, if you Google, you'll find all sorts of different lists because there's not one place in Scripture that lists, lists all of them. But Christ gives every Christian one of these. And so I want us to look at just a couple of implications that we see here in verse 7 about our spiritual gifts, these abilities. And it's not the idea that everybody just has one Right, you, have, you may have one that's more prominent, but I think that we can have more than one, and that's why I refer to it as gifting more than I just say a gift, because I think that some of us may be uh, more gifted at teaching, but still able to do some administrative work by the work of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in us, or some hospitality and other things. So I don't think it's just one, and that's the only one that you have. But we see here in verse 7, and we're just going to work our way through this verse together. He starts out and he says, but grace was given. And so the first thing that I want you to see in the implication of this text is that spiritual gifts are given and not earned. Now, I want to be clear about that, and I don't, I'm not going to belabor the point because it's clear. But I think it's very specific language whenever Paul refers to it as grace. Right? We do recognize that grace is giving somebody something that they have not earned and do not deserve. Right? It's not that because we're a Christian that God has to give us an ability that we didn't have before. No, Christ graciously chooses to allow us to take part in this work. And I pray that you see it that way and we'll see it in Paul's language when he starts talking about his own personal spiritual gift. But he sees the calling and ability that God's given him as an opportunity, as a great thing. It's a gift. And so I pray that we see it that way, too, that, that the work that you being able to build up all other Christians around you, that you being able to in some way help the maturity of all Christian people around you is a gift. It's something to be thankful for and something to be committed to. It says, but grace was given to each one of us. And so the second implication of this text, as I've already made clear, is that every single Christian is included in this. There are none of you say, look, y'all might all have gifts, but I have no gift. I have no ability. I have no talent. There's nothing that I can do to help build up all the rest of you. Right? There's nothing that I am able to do that would help somebody else become more spiritually mature. That is false. If you believe that, that is not true because the text says that grace was given to each one of us. And it's the grace that's talking about these giftings. So everyone, you may not recognize yours, and if you don't, I would love to talk to you about it. Let me know. Brother Zach, can we sit down sometime? Because I don't know what my spiritual gift might be. I'd love to sit down and talk to you. Let's kind of, we'll kind of look at a couple of the different ones. I'll ask you some questions. I've, I've told you all this before when talking about spiritual gifts. I think a good way to recognize these sometimes is to ask people around you. Ask your friends that are Christians. Ask your family. Ask some people in your Sunday school class that you spend time around that, that see your life what they think your spiritual gift might be. And sometimes there's a lot of wisdom in leaning on brothers and sisters that we spend time with. But this one, to me, 
it's particularly meaningful, not just because it tells us that every one of us is given a gift, but the fact that every single one of us is given a specific gifting. Right? It's maybe more than one gift, but a specific gifting that God has chosen to give to you. God assigns to every one of us the spiritual ability that we have. And so to me, as I think about that, as I've thought and meditated on it this week, I've considered this idea that God thought about Zach Kilpatrick and thought about the people that I would live in community with and thought, this is the ability that I'm going to give to him. This is the gifting that I'm choosing for him. And he crafted it specifically for me. And it's this deep, for me at least, it's this deeply personal and profound thought of God considering who he was making me to be and what he wanted me to do and giving me a specific gifting that would allow me to do those things. And he's done that for every one of us. God thought about who you were and who you were going to be and where you were going to be. And he gave you the specific gifting that you have to use for all the Christians around you. And I pray that we don't take that lightly. But grace was given to each one of us. The last part of this verse I want to look at the implication of is according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, again, this is one that the language makes a little bit more clear. But when it talks about this measuring of the gift, it's this idea of, of precision, of, of God knowing, of Christ knowing exactly how much grace, exactly how much power, exactly how much ability we would need in order to employ our gift for the good of others. And so the implication here is that God supplies the needed power to use our gifts. So he knows the gift that he gave you. He knows how hard it is to use that gift. He knows exactly how much grace, exactly how much strength, exactly how much ability, exactly how much power you need to put it into practice. And it gives, he gives that to us as well because we're giving these things according to the measure of Christ's gift. And again, we see that discussion of using it according to his power in 1 Peter 4 that Shane read earlier. We see it in just a moment and Paul's talking about his ability but I told y'all a couple of weeks ago that our house, we really like to watch these cooking competitions. And so we, we watch these all the time. And one of the newer ones that we've come to enjoy is called Alex versus America. I don't know if any of you have seen it. But the other day, the, the main chef is competing against three pastry chefs. And so these pastry chefs, they're on a different level than some other people. They just, they have all these recipes for how to make all these particularly interesting things just stored in their head. I'm always surprised by that on these cooking competitions. And the other day, they were trying to make this specific dessert, and each of these pastry chefs had out a gram weight scale. And they would put a bowl on that scale, and then they would zero the scale, and they would put, like, you know, seven grams of flour and three grams of sugar, and it was precise. It had to be exact. It had to be just the right amount if they're going to make the recipe just right. And in my mind, this language plays the same, that Christ said, I'm going to give Zach 
this much of the ability to teach and this much of the ability to administrate and this much of the ability of hospitality and, and so on and so forth. And so he knew it's as if he went, measured out on a gram weight scale exactly how much grace, exactly how much power, exactly how much ability I would need and made sure that according to the measure of Christ's gift that I had all of the grace that I needed. All of the work of God in my life that I needed to be able to work to build you up. And that's not just for me, that's for every single one of us. Point two, Christ gives precise gifts. They are graciously given, but they're also precisely given. He knows the blueprint, right? The blueprint that we looked at last week, the the road trip, he knows where we're headed. He knows the end goal. And so it says, if this is telling us that that's the end goal, and he knows exactly how much material we need to get there. He knows exactly how much of this and exactly how much of that, exactly how many teachers, exactly how many uh, people that are gifted in hospitality, exactly how many people are gifted in mercy, exactly how many people have all these gifts. He knew exactly how much we'd need, and he's given it to us as a body so that we can get there. So look with me in Ephesians chapter 3, just one chapter before this. I want you to see the specific example that Paul gives of himself. So he tells us what his gift is. He kind of uh, displays it a little bit for us. He talks about some of these implications. So we're going to be in Ephesians 3 verse 7. Before we do, just, just a little preface for it. Paul has been talking here about the gospel, right? The good news that Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth and died in our place and rose from the dead, and that everybody that believes in him can be saved. And that's particularly surprising here because he's talking about that that's not just for Jews, that's for Jews and for Gentiles. Everybody is free to be reconciled to God if they'll come through faith in Jesus Christ. And so he says this in verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister... According to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So do you see there Paul talking about his ability that he's been given, right? He says that he was made a minister according to the gift of of God's grace. So he's using the same language. God has graciously given him the gift of being a minister of the gospel to the Gentiles. So Paul says, this is my calling. I am God's chosen instrument to share, to take the gospel to the Gentiles. To this point, they had refrained from doing that. They were not going and sharing the gospel with Gentiles, but that Paul was called specifically for this purpose. And he says that he was given the ability to preach to the Gentiles, to preach the gospel, because this grace was given to him. And what does that tell us? It tells us that before he became a Christian, before God gave him such grace, he couldn't have done that. Right? I mean, you say, well, that's, I, I kind of picked that part out, Brother Zach. But I want you to know that Paul was not born with the ability to preach the gospel like he was able to. He was not born with the ability to teach like he was able to teach. What he's telling us here is that was given to him as a gift of God's grace. This task, this assignment, 
and this ability were all gifted to him by Jesus Christ when he became a Christian. And then in the next chapter, he uses the same combination of words in the same way to tell us, not only I, but you too. You have a gift, which means that we each have a task, an assignment to use our ability for the good of other people. And then in verses 8, 9, and 10, he backs that up by quoting and interpreting Psalm 68. Look at those texts with me. This is Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. Therefore, it says, when he, talking of Jesus, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now this is one of those, whenever you read it, you say, alright, that's, that's one of those that Peter's talking about whenever he says that Paul can be very wordy and hard to understand sometimes. Right, because in Paul's mind, this makes great sense, but for some of us, it takes a couple more times reading it to really get that. And in our Bible study this week, as I was talking to the guys, we really thought that verse 9 was going to let us get into that debate of, did Jesus go to Hades after he died? But that's not what it's talking about. Whenever it says that he descended into the lower regions, comma, the earth, it's literally just saying that he left heaven and came to earth. Right? That's what Paul's telling us here. He's, he's helping explain what this verse means. And so here he tells us that Jesus Christ, who we understand is God Almighty, part of the Trinity, was in heaven, but he left heaven and he came to earth. While he was here, he overcame all of his enemies. Christ defeated all enemies. He defeated sin by living a perfect life. He defeated death by dying and coming back to life. He defeated evil. And that's what it's talking about in Psalm 68 there in verse 8 when it says, He ascended on high. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. These are all of those that he has conquered. If you have the King James Version, it says literally that he had captivity captive. Right? All of these enemies he has overcome. So this victorious Jesus, he leaves heaven, he comes here and proclaims victory over every enemy, and then he ascends back to heaven, where he is today, waiting to come back. And it tells us that while he is there, while he is in heaven, what he is doing, one of the things that he is doing is that he is giving gifts to men. So Paul says this, Psalm 68 shows us what I've just told you. Paul speaking, not me. Paul says, what I just told you, that every one of you has a gift, Psalm 68 already predicted that. That Christ came here, overcame all enemies, went back to heaven, and is going to give spiritual gifts to men. And Paul's saying, and now he has done that, and every one of you has a gift. And so God, uh, Christ from heaven is giving these gifts to us. Point three is this, Christ gives heavenly gifts. As a little bit of a stretch, heavenly gifts, I was, just, I was trying to follow the same pattern of Christ gives something gifts. I had it a different way. I wanted it to be in a pattern. But he's at least giving gifts from heaven. Does that count as heavenly gifts, if they're gifts from heaven? Brother Jerry, you think so? This is what's important that we recognize. Christ is the one that's giving the gifts. 
Christ is the one that's supplying the power that we need to get to where we're going. So last week we saw the blueprint, and if you weren't with us, or if you've forgotten since then, let me remind you, it's a big calling, right? When you look at the blueprint, it appears quite daunting, because he explained it in multiple ways, but the last one, kind of summing it all up, said this, that we should continue to become more mature until we reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul said that until you are as grounded in your faith as Jesus Christ is, until you are as mature, spiritually mature, as Jesus Christ is, until you are spiritually on the same level as Jesus, you still have work to do. You still have growing to do because that is the goal. Until you attain Paul's word, until you attain that, until you arrive there, you're not there yet. You're not finished yet. And it's easy, I think, for us to get discouraged by that because that seems like an unattainable goal. If we're being honest, being as spiritually mature, as understanding of the scriptures, as Jesus can seem unattainable. Or it can at least make us ask the question, how could that ever happen? But I believe that today's text gives us the answer to that question. Because the same Christ that made the blueprint, the same Christ that said, this is what I expect of you, who is the same Christ that overcame every sin and every temptation that ever came his way, the same Christ that overcame death, the same Christ that ascended above everything else, because he is preeminent and more glorious and powerful than anything else, is the same Christ that is working to build us up to that point. And he says, that's how it can happen. You see, Jesus has placed you where you are. I pray that we all agree on that. Right? In his sovereignty... And things, and a million things that have happened in our life that you didn't even notice. I believe that every one of us are here in the place that you live, in the place that you work, in the place that you're sitting now because God has seen this from eternity past as a plan that he has for you. And that we are here and he knew where you would be and he knew everything that you need to get to the point of spiritual maturity that you should be. He knows everything that you lack. He knows every saint that you will ever come into contact with. He knew every Christian that would be part of your Sunday school class. He knew every brother or sister that would be a friend of yours, a co-worker of yours. He knew every Christian that you would go to church with. And he has assigned them the specific gifts that they need to help build you up to the point that he plans for you to get to. You see, this is the overarching picture. Christ knows everything about you. And everything about everybody around you. And so he has set us up to succeed. If you will trust your leaders and teachers. If you will allow the Christians around you to pour into you. Then he will use them to build you up to the place that you're supposed to be. 
So in the next few weeks, when you hear me talk about how important it is to follow leaders and teachers, recognize this. I'm not saying that you should follow them because the leaders and teachers are great. I'm saying you should follow them because Christ is the one that's supplying the power that you need to be built up through them. Whenever I say that you need every other Christian here in order to get to the place that you should be spiritually, it's not because all these other people are so great on their own, but it's because of the Holy Spirit inside of them and the power that He is giving them that you need. That He has given us His Word and He's given us His Spirit and He's given us each other. And if he's, over, if he's able to overcome sin and death and hell and all of those things, do you think he's not also able to overcome your spiritual immaturity? Do you think he's not able to build you up to the point that you're supposed to be? He is. And so I ask you this question. As we're reassured by this, we're reassured that he can do anything, and so I know he can do this. Let me ask you this question. Do you know, do you recognize what gifting Christ has given to you? If I, if I just ask you on your way out today, hey, tell me what some or at least one of the spiritual gifts that God has given to you is. Would you be able to answer that question? And if not, I pray that you would seek to find that out. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in Scripture looking to see. You may start reading in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 or 1 Peter 4. You may start reading one of those immediately and say, I didn't realize that that is a spiritual gift that Christ gives to people. I am good at that. Right? Read the Scriptures. Look at the Scriptures. Spend time praying and ask God to help reveal this to you. Talk to the brothers and sisters around you in your life and ask them. And I believe that God will reveal this to you. And when you do recognize it, my question will then be, how are you using that for the other Christians around you? Brothers and sisters, this is not a consumer type deal. Church is not. Church is communal living. If you come to church and you never do anything to pour into, to build up, to help mature anybody else, you're not doing it fully right. If you're not a Christian, that's okay. Just come and listen and learn until the point that Christ works in you and you accept Him through faith. But if you've done that, then you've got a job. Paul said his job, his task was something he was thankful for, something he was excited about to be able to share the gospel. I share his sentiment. I'm thankful for the opportunity to teach God's Word. Every opportunity I have to teach His Word, I'm thankful for. I pray it's the same for you. Maybe it's through administration. Maybe it's through being hospitable. Maybe it's through showing mercy. Maybe it's through giving, right? We have different gifts, but whatever gift you have, I pray that you use it and you joyfully use it because we need it. I need you to help build me up if I'm going to get to the point that I'm supposed to be. That's what God's Word tells us. So this morning, I'll invite you to stand. And as we have our time of response, I just want you to think. I want you to think about... First of all, I want you to think about the fact that God loves you enough that He has precisely chosen a gifting that He was going to give to you. He has precisely chosen the gifting that He's going to give to others around you so that you would be built up. And let's just thank Him for His grace towards us. But I also want you to think about what your gifting is and how you're using it or how you could use it. If you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you. If you want to pray, then spend this time praying. Or if you just want to sing because you're thankful for who the Lord is and what He's done in your life, then you sing.
But you do whatever the Lord leads you to. As Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of response.